you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League podcast is about to blow your mind. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as always, by a room full of heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How you doing? I just noticed Wessling's wearing a Seattle Seahawks hat. I thought you were team agnostic. I am, but it was a free hat, and I like the colors. I was going to say, it looks like a guy that recently started working at the NFL, can get the employee discount, and said, you know what? I like that hat. I'm going to put it over my head. It was courtesy of Bear Heiser, who has some kind of connection to an equipment farm or something. We oh, get a lot right. of random <laughs> gifts. Equipment farm. <laughs> and by the way, you act like everyone knows who Bear Heiser is. He's an editor for the NFL. And he, uh, he just mysteriously walked into the room one day, into the newsroom with a box of hats, like they fell off a truck and... Christopher Moltisante from The Sopranos picked it up and brought it in. It was a little shady, but I got a Jets hat, so it was nice. Well, but, he did a nice job. He, he brought hats specific to our team. With teams that we like, he knew enough. With Wes, I guess you could choose among any team. I didn't want to take five minutes looking through hats. I saw one that was blue. Said that's that's for me. <laughs> it's like when I came by your desk and dropped off a Dante Stallworth Cleveland Browns jersey that I saw in a You pile. know, that thing has been floating around ever since somehow, he stepped on Braylon Edwards' foot back in 2008. Somehow it's in my in my desk right now, but it will, as it always does, will end up on your chair. Um, I think we have a Win Sessler Stallworth jersey <laughs> trivia contest coming up. No, I don't want Mark ever to be part to part with that because <laughs> I love how much he hates it. Um, all right, so. Let's get to work. So, oh, K. Rich, how you doing, by the way? I'm great. How are you guys? She sounds under the weather. K. Rich, before the show started, said, hey, are any of you guys sick? And then we were like, oh, no. And she went, damn. <laughs> you do have a special glow, though, after your Eagles the other night. You know, I got a tweet saying me, K. Rich is going to be tough to deal with at the office tomorrow. So I know this <laughs> K. Rich phenomenon is catching up. She is not yeah. even close to the most tough to deal with Eagles related individual in our office, is she, Greg? See, I am sick and under the weather, but I'm muscling through it because I'm so happy that in week one, <laughs> we had an amazing win. And the whole first half, I was excited and jubilant. And then the second half, not so much. But we still got the win. That's all that counts. <laughs> all right. That was. 
Okay, Rich. Congratulations. Feel better. Um, we're gonna would... we're gonna need you a little later on though. So just maybe drink a uh, Powerade and maybe an energy bar of some kind. I'll that was there. a tease. We're gonna talk a little Eagles. Tease. Later. Yeah. So what, let's go out. We're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about. Um, some bigger takeaways, big picture takeaways from week one as we move into week two now. Uh, we'll do the news with Crystal. We're going to do a little talk about some young quarterbacks, what we saw from some of the younger guns uh, in week one. Can we include Brandon Whedon in that category? Oh. No. just That's not a, a, sore, <laughs> a sore subject for Mark. Wow. It's just not that interesting. <laughs> and, uh, of course, some Thursday night football talk. But let's start. Let's start with... Some bigger takeaways on Sunday night, because now we have a Sunday night podcast, which people are very excited about. Uh, we did more instant analysis on the games of the day. But now that we have a couple of days to digest it, I just want to go around the room and uh, just see what you guys think. More like a big picture takeaway. Uh, we will start with a man they call the boss, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> you know, I watched the Falcons and Saints over the week, and it just struck me how bad their pass protection was and how bad their pass rush was. And it's really hard to win in the NFL if you can't run, rush the passer and you can't protect the passer. And I think it's going to be a problem for Atlanta all year. If the Saints can get that much pressure on Matt Ryan and they struggled that much to get to Drew Brees, I mean, they really weren't near him the entire game. I think that's going to be a story that plays out over the course of the season, and they're going to have a tough time winning that division again. I think that's going to be a three-team race. Those were the two concerns about the Falcons going into the season. Uh, they they failed to get Richard Seymour. Maybe that would have helped. Uh, but yeah, I think um, Drew Brees had a perfect quarterback rating when he was blitzed. That's a problem. Didn't it just look like the old Saints? You throw Kenny Stills in there and it doesn't make a difference. You throw a new left tackle out there, it doesn't make a difference. They kind of just look like the, the Saints that they you They look the exact same. Um, we heard talk that Mark Ingram was going to be used more. That's not going to happen. Pierre Thomas is a better back. He fits the offense better. Sproles is all over the place. They're the same offense except Stills is better than the third receiver they had last year. I'm excited to finally retire the Mark Ingram is finally going to break out stories after this year because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that people are going to give up. He, he might did. break out with a different team. Yes. Are we going to uh, give Rob Ryan any credit for uh, scheming up a way to slow down the Falcons in week one? Is I, he going to make a difference there? I'm giving him credit. Why not? <laughs> bad Santa. It's a win. I mostly brought up Bad Santa only because I love the story that he went into the Uptown Dive Bar in New Orleans after the game, Miss Mays, and handed the bartender $100 and said, buy round for everyone. And he just he got... Blitz. It was pretty. Well, the nice. Ryan's this are very enjoyable. I've, I've been yeah, to Miss Mays. Great. Yeah, I've been to Miss Mays many times. Not a place you want to be at four or five in the morning. A hundred dollars will buy a hundred drinks. <laughs> wow. One dollar per call drink at Miss Mays. A hundred dollars will buy eight drinks in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> well, that depends where you are. It might not even do that. Um, yeah. So, Mark, what did you think about that? The game that I watched pretty closely yesterday was Jets. And Bucks, and it struck me that you I sure it seemed like you forgot. No, no, no. It, <laughs> I almost did for a minute. It was actually I thought an interesting game, not necessarily extremely well played by either team, but especially not Tampa Bay. You know, over the off season, I took a look at Tampa and thought they got. A, I like their coach. They've got a lot of parts in place. This might be a team that can make some noise in the division. Well, they're going to need to come out this week looking completely different because against New York. I felt that Doug Martin especially, who I think is really the core of that offense, couldn't get anything going. 
their offensive line was completely overpowered by New York. They don't have a tight end that you can put anywhere in the formation to add as a blocker to make up for the guys they're missing. Martin was completely frozen at the line. And the biggest issue, frankly, is uh, in a division with high-power quarterbacks, Freeman just looks like he's flat-out regressing. On that opening drive, he looked confused. He looked com- like completely lacking command. Now, credit goes to the Jets to some degree, but Tampa could not... They could not establish anything. It was very b- disturbing to watch. I couldn't. I could not believe, and we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. But I, I just couldn't believe that Josh Freeman, in the beginning of the game, after an entire uh, preseason of preparation, when the headset goes out in his helmet, they have to burn a timeout and get called for. I think two delay of game penalties. It just was him in a nutshell, and it also it, it makes you wonder how you know him being stripped of that captain status what's going on in that locker room because you saw a lot of weird stuff going on on the sidelines i i didn't think highly of the bucks going into the season i really could see them really falling off the table well they have a players only meeting today i believe it was yeah pro football it's not even week two yet pro football talk (laughs) reported there was a players only meeting some players concerned that maybe the captain's vote was rigged, which is something we always hear. Oh, no. Supposedly, it's always rigged. Coaches just kind of choose who they want to be captains. Uh, but these are not the things you want to be reading about in week two. They have the Saints this week in Tampa. That's a big game for them because if they go 0-2, suddenly you know the vultures start circling. Do you know what the problem was with the headset? What? They had circus music piping through it. It couldn't <laughs> hear anything else. <laughs> the Jets are happy that you're talking about a different team when talking about oh, a circus. I, I, Said on Twitter last night, I was up until like 2.30 in the morning because I got home from softball and I was still amped up. So I'm watching <laughs> film and I'm like, uh, I need to go to sleep. Let me put on Jets, Bucks. And it didn't disappoint. <laughs> the, first, the first series, I don't know the last time I saw a third and 40 situation. Yeah. The Bucks offense was one pratfall after another. It was third and 35. The Jets declined a penalty when it made it third and 40. Freeman <laughs> looked awful. Doug Martin had the worst game I've ever seen him play. Vincent Jackson looked great, but as Greg pointed out, also got caught from behind by a linebacker on a play that could have won the game. And it's also a game in which um, Josh Freeman felt like he didn't know what was going on. It looked like a poorly coached team. You know, you watch all those sort of problems with penalties and not lining up. I, I always think, well, that's a team that's not really very well coached. They have a first-time offensive coordinator in Mike Sullivan, and they're struggling right now. So last year it looked like they were really well coached and disciplined is uh, Greg Schiano's college uh, esprit de corps type uh, thing. Is that, wearing, wow. is, is that wearing off? I don't know that they were that co- well coached on offense. Maybe they're year. just getting younger again. Younger. They need to be fed. They did have some Raheem Morris-like traits in that game. I do think, sloppy. though, we don't want to completely overreact. I mean, it was an ugly game. No, let's game, do it. No, no, no. It's <laughs> like, okay, it, there's reasons to be because they really, really looked that bad. But, I don't know, week two seems to balance things out. Wes, what was your big takeaway? Can I have one general thing and one specific thing? I don't know, what do you think, guys? Yeah, he's pretty good at this. Thing. All right, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so he has my, a piece of paper in front of him. He's prepared. <laughs> my general thing is we saw week one have five more touchdown passes than any week in NFL history. The majority of those, it seemed, came in the nationally televised games of Broncos, Ravens, Packers, 49ers, Eagles, Redskins, Texans, Chargers. In the other games, we saw some great front sevens. Uh, Browns, Dolphins. Both teams were just getting after the quarterbacks. Looked great. Uh, Chiefs, I know everybody's going to say it was just the Jaguars. Uh, one reason why it was just the Jaguars is because the Chiefs played so well. Don Terry Poe was great at nose tackle. Justin Houston had a couple sacks. Derek Johnson was everywhere. Eric Berry was really good in the secondary. Uh, 
and and the Jets played well. Their their front seven was in the backfield all Thank game. You. The Panthers played great. They they kept the Seahawks down all game until the uh, conservative play calling came back. But the front <clears throat> sevens were great this week. Is and that your specific and your general thing? That was my general thing. Well, passing yards were up. It was a record day, record week for passing yards. But rushing yards were down twenty three. Uh, yards per game compared to last year, and it wasn't just that teams aren't trying to rush; it was that they they weren't effective. There was just a lot of guys getting stuck. I guess it just yeah. doesn't surprise. It would surprise me more if this hadn't been the most you know crazy passing week in terms of touchdowns. With everything that we knew coming out of last year and what teams are trying to do these days, wouldn't it have been a surprise that it had been you know ten touchdowns less than last year's week one? Just two guys went over a hundred yards, so that's that seems to me a little fluky. Is it, do you, do you, could that possibly happen again? Well, I mean, it's possible, but I think that these things balance out. It's it's a small sample size. Hmm. I think it's definitely every year becomes more pass first, but I agree that that's it, that will balance out. It's not going to happen on a regular basis. So, what's your specific one? So the the Vikings Lions game. Uh, Harrison Smith, one of our making the leap guys, one of our top five making the leap guys. The NFL since Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu. Palamalu are on the back nine of their careers. We don't really have a dominant safety. I think Harrison Smith could be that guy as soon as this year. I know we love Earl Thomas too, and, and Eric Weddle's underrated every year. I think Harrison Smith could be the best safety in the NFL. I think last year, I mean, I got, I got, I should say, stuck, but they were actually enjoyable to watch. I did a lot of Vikings games on Sunday, and Smith stood out I, fr- from very early on. He looked comfortable right away, and I think that's a position that. It's like you either got it or you don't, and he right away seemed to be making plays. He changed that defense. He was everywhere in coverage and in the run game made open field tackles to stop first down several times. Well, that's why we had him in the top five. Looks like we got one making the leap right, at least. We did. Because he's a big hitter, but he's really good in coverage. He can really do it all, which most most safeties, even an Ed Reed type, is known for – Either his, you know, pass defense or his big hits, but Harrison Smith can do everything. Well, we had uh, Lamar Miller too, and he's just been since pretty good. Don't worry about David. No? Don't uh, don't forget about David Wilson. One more as well. quick thing from that game: Reggie Bush, I thought looked the best he's looked since he's been in the NFL, and the coaching staff used him better than any coach, even better than Sean Payton did in New Orleans. That that screenplay, I've never seen him run that fast in the NFL. He hmm. turned on the Jets and beat angles on defenders. That's another guy like Forte who looks stronger to me this year too. He just looks thicker and like he, he his speed was was something different. I mean he, that play was amazing that touchdown. Okay, so uh, I'll give you my takeaway. I mean I think it, not. We can't make enough of what the Eagles did on Monday night. Uh, it's really possible it could be the real deal with this Chip Kelly offense. Uh, it was funny in that first quarter, especially in the first half in general, when they were just uh, just tearing up Washington. What was going on on Twitter? What the announcers were saying? I thought Mark Sessler actually on Twitter best summed up the excitement and, frankly, hysteria of the moment with his tweet: nine nine thirteen, thirty one teams riding horses, Eagles riding a spaceship. Um, <laughs> now, Possibly a little bit of hyperbole in there. It always uh, goes back to spaceships with Sessler. It is. It, it does. Actually, or water. it's funny you should say that. But uh, yeah. So what? Do, what do we think about this? Is this? Is this going to really work? Are we? Is this a revolution? As they say. Well, you know, I was the only one that picked uh, the Eagles to win the division here, not to pat myself on the back, but I totally just did that. You guys all had them last. Thank you, Barry. Mark, Mark had them at yeah. eight and eight. Horowitz Dan and Chris moved. had them last. So was one game enough to change uh, your guys' opinion? I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about my five and eleven. For the I record, I did pick them to win that game. Yes, and you did. 
Good it, job. it did change my mind as far as the division. I think they're probably going to finish ahead of the Redskins well, and the Giants. And let's just say, I mean, okay, yes, they look great, but they didn't quite um, pr- prove to anyone they know how to take care of a lead with this type of offense. Uh, Washington came very close to really getting back in the game. They did get back in the game. And number two, everyone, everybody's talking about this. How is Vic going to stay upright when he's running this many plays? By the end of this, he's never played 16 games. The way this offense is set up, it's like you have to play 32 games. I just don't see it. And, and the next guy in line, is he going to be able to keep the offense moving the way Vic has done so far? To answer your question, if I could go back and take the Cowboys out of number one and put the Eagles in there, I would. Yeah! I would, because... Listen, I, I think Dan makes a good point. I saw his tweet. I knew he thought well, that. Well, no, I think it's, it's, it worked. <laughs> what we saw worked. The question is, with any team, if you lose a couple guys, you know, the Eagles aren't going to be the same football team. But actually, the second half, what it showed us, and I think teams are going to catch up to some degree. I remember back in the old Tecmo Bowl days, my brother used to play with, like, the run-and-shoot Oilers. You yeah. just go up and down the field. And I would wheel out one of the better running teams, and I would let the clock run out between every six-yard run. <laughs> You're that and I guy. I would eat up the entire quarter and just keep them off the field. The Redskins had a ton of turnovers in the first half. They were a complete disaster, but they sustained drives in the second, and it was like Philly was not the same football team. Well, for the Eagles, I think it just comes back to is Vic good enough? It's not so much the number of plays. It's the plays he's unnecessarily getting hit. I mean, they didn't end up running that many plays in that game. He missed a number of open throws in the first half and the second half, or they could have had more points. So he has to find a way to stay healthy and, and I think, be more effective. I, to me, the game didn't change anything. They're going to be tough to deal with every week, but they're going to be very up and down. The best thing about them, the second half that you mentioned where they let the Redskins back in it, that's the difference between Chip Kelly and most coaches. After the game, he said immediately, I I should have kept my foot on the gas pedal. I learned my lesson. We're going to do things differently. This isn't Greg Schiano saying, I'm still going to rush the quarterback with no seconds left on the clock because we're Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> he learned his lesson. you know. He, and I think that's Chip Kelly's most, most, most redeeming quality. All right, so that is, that's just week one of the season. We're, we got 16 more of these in the playoffs. Very exciting. Um, Crystal, behind the glass. It's still a little loose. Cambridge Hope you guys enjoyed that theme music that you just heard. Oh, it's there. <laughs> All right, guys. So starting up, Texans head coach Gary Kubiak announced that Arian Foster and Ben Tate will split the Texans backfield carries. Now, if I'm a fantasy owner and he's on my team, I'm very disappointed in this news. And I don't get that. I heard that, actually. I wrote a post yesterday, and one of our... Um, colleagues came up to me and say say it ain't so but like didn't we all see this the writing on the wall with this when you picked arian foster in the last week of august we already knew that tate was going to have a defined role in this offense well you know who didn't though is probably 75 percent of people that play fantasy football that don't read every single you know news blurb coming out of houston where you think look at foster's been that guy but i just think it's a great thing for the texans they fell apart down the stretch last season against better football teams Keep Foster fresh. The question for Tate, can he stay healthy? He's not proven that he can do that in the past. Let's keep a little perspective here. He said for now. Right, for a few weeks. For now they're going to split carries because Foster's rusty. He missed offseason. He missed camp. He missed preseason. Ben Tate was faster the other night. Arian Foster's a better player. He's going to get his job back. They're going to use Tate like they did in 2011. He'll get maybe 8 to 10, 8 to 12 touches a game. 
But this isn't a situation where he's going to get more carries than Foster. Well, here's the thing, though. In three weeks, if Tate is still faster than Foster and they've done it for a while and it's worked out well, then maybe Tate does earn that role where they're splitting touches because you never know when a, when a running back's going to fall off. True. Okay, Rich, what else is in the news? All right, next up, a team that looked very, very sad in week one. Giants head coach <laughs> Tom Coughlin calls running back David Wilson a marked man after talking about his little fumbling problem. Oh, little. <laughs> well, what do you guys think? He has no choice but to play him, so what's the difference? I mean, they signed Brandon Jacobs. They have no options. You can't play Brandon Jacobs' significant snaps this weekend. You have Darrell Scott, who's injured, not seriously, but Wilson has to still be the guy. And, yeah, the fantasy owners don't freak out about – well, you can freak out about David Wilson. Mark and I are owners of Wilson and uh, our Allison Bree team – but he's going to get a chance to redeem himself. Now, if he puts it on the carpet again against the Broncos, all bets are off. Who are they going to play if he puts it on the carpet again? Brandon Jacobs is washed up. Well, and I was saying to Dan, I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Jacobs is unemployed a week from now or two anyways. I'm not sure he'll even stick around. Wilson, what he's good at isn't going to disappear. I mean, what, he, what his abilities are and what he's able to do if he, you know, two or three times a game, long runs, break away, that's not going to change. But, I mean, Coughlin's just trying to get this guy to be a complete back, and I don't think he's, he's not there in terms of pass protection. Do you, do you know who two of the most fumble-prone backs early in their careers were? Well, three. Tiki Barber, Adrian Peterson, Walter Payton. It's an overrated issue. The Giants would invite Tiki Barber into the building to help David Wilson if Tiki Barber wasn't such a hated man. I, I wouldn't let Tiki Barber <laughs> in my house either. <laughs> Kay Rich, what else is in the news? All right, some Earsay news. Cole's owner, Jim Earsay, is demanding better protection of quarterback Andrew Luck. Tread lightly here, boys. I like it when Jim Earsay just demands things, you know? <laughs> From his Twitter <laughs> pulpit. You wrote this post. I mean, he just he just kind of declared, or else. I wonder, What is the or else in this situation? I like it, too. I don't think he's going to drop some hammer. He loves his coaching staff and his front office. But listen, like, what, what's, what's, not to, what's not sensible here? Luck is the centerpiece of your organization. I think he was hit more than any other quarterback last season. They want to see that number decrease. That makes sense to me. Did you watch the game? How, how did it look? It looked like last year, like, they lucked. They dropped Luck into the middle of a war zone and asked him to not get tackled. He was sacked four times. Underrated topic is that Anthony Costanzo has been terrible he's since been he's terrible. been in the league. He's and, been one of the worst left tackles in football. And the Raiders went through the preseason with no pass rush in any of their four games. The first game there, they beat Costanzo like a drum. I just want to say I love everything the owners say, including Jim Irsay. The Mad Hatter, <laughs> Jim Irsay. <laughs> Anything else in the news, K. Rich? Last thing, free agent receiver Brandon Lloyd reportedly rejected six offers hmm so it looks like he's gonna retire i guess well i wonder what how reliable is this report that he got six offers because this was a league source from pro football talk Oh, okay because i thought it was because he was a locker room weirdo i think it's lawyer we don't really know what locker room lawyer means he's a locker room weirdo he he, we saw that report where he's in the middle of a conversation with another player and told the guy you know what i just don't feel like talking to you anymore what happens if you are yeah locker room weirdo is accurate he has been known as a locker room lawyer what happens when you're not in a locker room anymore and you're not actually certified as a lawyer do you exist at all then you're just walking down the middle of the street aimlessly 
<laughs> well, I was wondering what he did to the to Tom Brady and the Patriots to not get a phone call. So maybe he did get a phone call because they're pretty desperate right now for receivers. Did he say six offers from NFL teams or just yeah, six offers? Supposedly there's six real, not offers, but they reached out to him and apparently he's telling teams he is not uh, mentally or physically prepared for the NFL grind. I mean, he's 32. He played 10 years. It was, you know, an okay career. He led the... NFL and receiving in 2010, but other than that, he was kind of a disappointment. But he's probably rich. I liked what another teammate said about him when they were doing the story in the Boston Globe for why he wasn't going to be resigned. And one of the teammates <laughs> said, "Now that guy's just a different cat." <laughs> um, is that all, Crystal? That is all for today. Thank you, K. Rich. Get your rest, okay? Um, one thing we didn't bring up, by the way, only because we can do it because it's our podcast. We did not bring up and Domicon Sue. Uh, his $100,000 fine. But I did want to just open the floor to Mark Sessler. As I was working on a post in the newsroom, Mark had a theory about Sue, about his plan, because you're a little... It's the saturation of the Sue news. It's not. It's my wishes. Yeah. What, what was that again? I just was telling Dan that they're... Well, and I think we all have these players. He's someone I would like to put into like a one-way rocket ship. There's that rocket ship Where you ship light again. that like little fuse at the bottom with yeah. a match, and he just... He's gone. Can he take the Jets with him? Right. We all have maybe that, you know, we can discuss. We all have that guy we want to put in that ship that basically you never hear from and again. Then, and then my question was if you, was this, are you sending him to, to die, to perish? Well, I don't know where he's going to go, but he's not going to be part of the NFL news cycle. What's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of debate like, should we bring Sue back to Earth? And then it will be coming right back at you. Do you think harder. we can get Ben Watson's yeah. opinion on that? <laughs> we, we should. It's very Solaris like. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have movie. seen Solaris. Yeah, sequel. <laughs> Throw Sue in there. Is this based on a feeling, by the way? Assessor uh, feeling? It's, again, it's a wish. A wish. That's <laughs> Just, right. It's a wish. So. All right. Okay. Well, let us know if uh, if you're gonna try to follow through on that. But uh, it seems dangerous to that guy's welfare. Sounds like a Marvin the Martian skit. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, what are, we're going to be doing a bunch of, uh, I guess, recurring feature posts maybe that's one way to put it uh, one of them will be written by greg rosenthal will be tracking in addition to greg's qb buzz index is that the correct term qb index quarterback QB? index okay quarterback index <laughs> he'll also be doing a weekly post on some of the young quarterbacks uh third year pros and below uh so maybe this will be a good time greg we'll throw the floor to you do you want to give us any thoughts about some of the young guns of the well, nfl I, I think it it'd be a good thing for us to talk about each week because to me it's the the story in the NFL this year is this crop of quarterbacks kind of how are they going to follow up what they did last year and I'd really include five guys as the main the main guys Luck Russell Wilson RG3 Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton so I just kind of wanted to throw it throw it out to the room any big impressions we knew what we know what they did last year we're kind of wondering how they're going to follow it up after one week what are we thinking I thought last year for the entire season for me the question was, who's better, Luck or RG3? For this year, the question is, who's better, Luck or Kaepernick? Or just, can anyone stop Kaepernick? Is he just going to be in that top shelf of quarterbacks? Forget young quarterbacks, any quarterbacks. I think so, because number one, one thing I love about Kaepernick, what I've seen already out of week one, is that you know they coached him up to operate the offense a certain way last year. In what we saw against Green Bay was a completely different strategy to some degree, and it's like he can't—he's—he's he's capable of doing whatever it is they want to do to attack teams, 
And, you know, listen, people had some questions. Can they go to a pass-only kind of offense? Yes, they can. It's uh, it's unfair that Kaepernick has Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman and Cam Newton has Ron Rivera and Mike Shula. It's true. And I felt for Cam Newton. Not for watch- long. I felt for Cam <laughs> Newton watching that game, but I also thought, you know, there are some similarities between how the Seahawks approach things and how the Panthers approach things. They're both defensive minded head coaches. They're both run first head coaches. The the Seahawks did not move the ball much uh, for most of the day. They weren't overly aggressive. But when it came down to it, which quarterback can just make it happen and make plays on his own? And watching that game, and I've always been a Cam guy, I, I just realized, and I, I knew it from last year too, is it, Wilson is that guy. It's not Cam Newton. That, I think you've got to give him some credit for that. Is that your way of saying Russell Wilson has the it factor? I'm not saying that. They both <laughs> that's, have, what I, that's what I heard. They both have the it factor. But I don't know. They're, he's stuck in third and eights after a couple one-yard runs, too. And who's the one making that play to just a crazy improvisational play? It's I trust Wilson over Newton, wouldn't you? Yes. Better coaching staff, as you said. I also think um, you know Ron Rivera came out and acknowledged that the, the Panthers completed three passes over 10 yards uh, on Sunday, which is just a terrible stat when you have one of the most – talented quarterbacks alive I'd be really surprised if they don't really push the ball downfield I feel weird basing anything on Newton's progress when he seems to be shackled by both the system and the personnel who, around do, him. who do they throw it downfield to well that's a that's Good a better question, question. I mean uh, Ted Ginn. I get Ted Ginn out Armonte get him on the field Edwards. give him a shot it's it's striking as a football observer a football fan a football analyst when you watch the Panthers play 1960s football uh, we have a four-point lead. We're going to take the air out of the ball and just get really conservative. And then the next night, you watch the Eagles. And on the first drive, Chip Kelly goes for it, fourth down at the 20-yard line because he doesn't want a field goal. He wants a touchdown. Hmm. And it's just like, you, as a fan, you're thinking, as an observer, you're thinking, one team is just so far ahead of the other as far as how to play football in the 21st century. Well, it's like we went, we spent weeks in the offseason looking at Mike Shule and saying, this is a this is a red flag here. We know what this guy's about, and we don't like it. But it's like, you know what? Listen, nine times out of ten, Mike Shula knows much more than we realize, and he's able to adapt. He's been in the league for a long time. But then he, he, you know, he spits this game out, and it's like, what is this team doing? What are they doing with Cam Newton? And they have done a terrible job of surrounding him with talent. They've they basically bottomed out at wide receiver. I don't think D'Angelo Williams is a guy you write off yet on any level. He's, but he's why still are we around. basing the game plan around D'Angelo Williams? Well, that's that was the problem. bizarre. That's the problem. And it's like, you know, you, you, if you want to grow a quarterback, you do it the way San Francisco and Seattle has done. Those also, by the way, are physically very talented guys that probably would thrive in a lot of places. But Newton's in a tough position. You know, last year, the team that seemed one year ahead of everyone was Washington. They didn't look like that on Monday night. Are we concerned at all about Robert Griffin the third this year and that offense in general? I say give him a month. He didn't. He didn't seem right. He, you know, I think he was healthy, but his mechanics seemed a little flawed. He obviously they weren't designing run plays for him. I'd like to see how he looks a month from now and see if he's more like the guy that we remember. I, well said. That's all I would say too. Yeah, I mean, it's this is his preseason. I mean, remember Adrian Peterson, even out of, first week or two with Minnesota last season, he wasn't the guy he bloomed into even by week three or four. Same with RG3. Long-term 
I totally agree. You know, for this season, they're going to have to win games sooner than later. You know, they went, they go to Green Bay this week, then they come back for Detroit. You know, you you have to figure out what is the best way to scheme to win games as we're getting this guy better. It's going to be tricky for them. One of my takeaways from the weekend too is that Detroit's much better than we thought they would be. They're a good team right now. Hmm. Um, okay, so we have a couple minutes left. Do you want, let's get a little bit. In, let's do a little talk about Thursday night football. Wes, you you can leave the room if you want right now. It's going to be a Jets talk. <laughs> give me your option if you want to go. If you want to stay, you can stay. I have some things to say about the All Jets. Right, good. Got lots to say. So we, we we have a couple minutes. Let's uh, let's get out there. I will say, as the Jets fan, you I don't know if you guys knew I am a Jets fan. Um, I will say that the little hope crept into the room, which is very Jets. As I said last week, there are two types of uh, Jets teams: the ones that are hopeless from the start which is a uh, co-tight era, some Herm years. Um, and then there's the team that you didn't think much of, and they suck you in, they bury you. I'm really excited. This is the one that sucks me in and buries me. So <laughs> I have a feeling, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I, I think it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be a situation where defense is going to be hyped up. They, they play well in New England, uh, and I think the pa- Patriots are still figuring things out on offense, and I think you put those two things together, and it's a one-score game. I mean, last year's Jets team took the Patriots to overtime. Right. And that and was a bad team. I think this is a better football team. And, do you? And I do, than last year. What the Jets are to me, or what the optimists around the Jets, and Greg was one of them, that's what they are. They're, they look like a good defensive football team that's still figuring out what, if anything, they have on offense. Because I looked at that running game, and that concerns me. Because you can't just try to scheme your way out of not having a good ground game by throwing the wildcat in there. That, <laughs> and I'm not just it trying to poke so fun at the Jets, but that it was, embarrassing. That was it, awkward. It wasn't properly used. They pulled Smith off the field on his first NFL drive. After two nice plays, too. The best right. two plays, you know, Smith, the entire game were on that first drive. Then they put in the wildcat, ends the drive. I <laughs> laughed out loud when I was watching the game. I saw the wildcat the first <laughs> time, and then I saw it two more times, and I just kept laughing. Well, concern me, like, Chris Ivory just looks completely in a fog to me. That's, yeah. that's one thing where sometimes the preseason can tell you a little bit, individual players. He, he looks rough in the preseason, looks slow again. I don't know if he's he, not healthy or what. Well, I would. the only thing I would say about Ivory is... He also had a very not a great offseason in terms of injuries. Maybe he's going to need some time too, but I agree Fair. that he's not off to a great start. Hamstrings, they can linger. I turned on that game hoping to be excited about Geno Smith, and I thought it was a discouraging performance considering you know they won the game. He, he got a lot of credit for throwing for some yards. I don't think he had a good game. Uh, I thought they pass protected very well, and yet he was sacked five times and hit eight more because he just holds it. I mean, he doesn't force the ball, but he just holds it forever and ever. And comparing him to E.J. Manuel in their first games, maybe it's the coaching, maybe it's the player, but Manuel was a lot more decisive, I think a lot better. My expectations for Geno Smith were so low that he actually surprised me a little bit. Same he here. wasn't he wasn't a dumpster fire and to me that was he, he he was everything you said. There were there were a lot of issues, but he moved the ball once in a while, which I didn't even expect him to do. He wasn't a turnover machine. He didn't pull an Orlovsky. He he was <laughs> not an embarrassment, which uh, is all I really could have asked for as a Jeff. What's uh, Jeremy Curley's status? Because he was the He's be- out. he was the best skill position player on the field for them. Yeah, they are was really trying to use concussion. him too. They seem to want to try to make him like a poor man's Tavon Austin to some degree. 
A very poor man's. A vagrant's man. Yeah, a vagrant man. So but Cur- Curly's out for this game. That's a big loss for them. That's a huge loss. It, it's a big loss. Uh, Amendola is doubtful officially. Gronkowski's doubtful officially. We don't expect to see either one of them. We don't know about Aaron Dobson uh, for this game. Vereen's out. With Vereen is out. With all these injuries, do we think the Jets can go in there and make it a game? Who's making a hero pick? <laughs> Not me. I got the Jets <laughs> last time. I'll... No. Uh... Can they make it a game? I need game? to think about it. I'm very can, close. Can this be a competitive game? I mean, we talked about the offense, but the Jets' defensive line looked really good. Antoine Barnes looks like he could be a really nice signing for them. Uh, they have a lot of depth there. Even without Quentin Copels, there's a lot of guys that were getting a lot of pressure in that game. Well, they're playing a, a much better offensive line. I could see it being intriguing for a half and then, as the Patriots are known to do, I think the wheels fall off for New York in the second half. You know, I kind of like the Jets are... S- they are going back to their roots under Rex, a little bit of an underdog team again, and they're easier to root for now than they were the last couple of Let's years. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So get excited because uh, you know, <laughs> that's all I got. Um, okay, so our next podcast will be on Friday. We will talk about the results of said Jets-Patriots game. Uh, also break down the week two matchups in our picks. I'm not ready to talk about the picks because I had a rough week one, but I don't want to get into it. Um, but uh, it was bad. It was bad. This I will be writing of, the intro this week. This podcast is the one that we're going to be pulling sound clips of with this little glow in your voice about the yeah. Jets on Friday morning when they've when the train has been separated into 15 parts and they've lost <laughs> by 43 points. I, I have optimism. <laughs> I'm not like you and the Browns where you've given up all hope. I still believe in my team. But we'll see what happens. I know how it's going to turn out. Okay. uh, Yeah, until Friday. uh, Signing off. uh, The mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K-Rich behind the glass. We'll see you Friday. I got got big blankets. It's like 60 degrees or so. I just found out I don't have air conditioning in my apartment. (laughs) 60 degrees in Greg's. I'm just saying it's cold. That's cold. (laughs) Greg has one of those houses with like a white porch wrapping around the entire house (laughs) overlooking the sea. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.